Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Mark, and I'm an abstinent compulsive overeater and food addict. Um, just a little bit of qualification. So I came into the program, you'll hear in my story, I came into the program April 18, 2007. Uh, that is also my abstinence date. Uh, at that point, I was 519 pounds. Um, and um, I, I, um, uh, I can't tell you how much I've weighed because I weigh myself and, and through my nutritionist and I, I do it blindly. So I send that information to her or at one time I was with her and I just turned around on the scale I go in a doctor's office. I turn around on the scale, have them write it down, put it in a sealed envelope, and I send it to my nutritionist. So I cannot tell you what my weight is, but I can say that I had a 78-inch waist when I came in, and I have a 36-inch waist now. So that might give you a little bit of a kind of a thing. The only thing I need to know these days is I go in, I try some pants on or some, a shirt on, and they fit, and that's good. I'm good to go because <laughs> the scale basically plays in my head. And I will tell you, I didn't think that was the case until I was asked to do that. Um, I thought I was uh, no biggie on the scale. It didn't really play with my head. But if you want to know how much something has power, off, power over you, try and let it go. And I have to admit, I remember that time when I basically uh, let that go and surrendered that. And my monkey mind was going crazy. I wanted to know how well I was doing. How am I doing? How am I doing? I remember that part. So anyway, so uh, I'll start my program. I'll go ahead and uh, leave my number. I am Eastern Standard Time. My number is 502-468-4814. I'll just put that out there. I, you can text, call, or WhatsApp me. Um, I'll put that out there so I don't forget later. But um, I usually start prenatally whenever I tell my story, which basically means my disease started way before I entered this world. Um, there was uh, compulsive overeating in my family. Um, compulsive overeating, uh, diabetes because of that. Um, uh, there was alcoholism in my family. My father was an alcoholic. Um, my mother was a compulsive overeater. As a matter of fact, she took me to my first pay and way. Um, uh, we did it together, which is really a lovely thing. I, I believe me at the time, I wasn't thinking that, but, um, uh, my childhood was essentially, you know, uh, trying to do everything I could to get a hold of food in all reality and survive my way through life. Um, my eating, um, is a symptom of a deeper trouble. Right. That's sort of a line that I've changed a little bit from freedom from bondage. It said my drinking was a symptom of deeper trouble. That's freedom from bondage from the big book, page 544. My eating was a symptom of a deeper trouble. Um, I ate to medicate myself. Essentially, for me, it was about escaping reality in some shape or form. Um, and, uh, you know, I think in some ways it was to escape the tension in the household around living in a family with alcoholism. But, you know, I didn't even realize my dad had alcoholism until, he would, until I was in college. He didn't really bring it into the fold there. Uh, he was a great dad when he was there. But this is the thing, you know, and it was a period of life. I think the biggest thing that kind of started this was he started to pull away more and more and more and more. And if I look at me and what I did with my disease, I pulled away more and more and more and more. I escaped more and more and more. I checked out. I avoided. I numbed out. Um, that was what it was for me. And, it, and, and there was self-abuse in that, too. 
right? My eating, you know, going up to 519 pounds, you know, it was a cycle for me that was basically gaining the weight, getting up to a certain weight. I was 200 pounds when I was in my, went to my first pay and weigh when I was, uh, I was in, um, in high school, like junior high school. Um, and I lost the weight and, and, you know, I felt, okay, everything is okay. So I was like 149 pounds at that time. I was, I wasn't as tall as I am now. And, um, and I remember thinking that I was okay, you know, that everything's okay now. And so I started to try and it's funny because I pulled away from life for a reason, right? That's what my disease was about. And then when I felt like, it, I, you know, it was all, all it was, was that I was overweight, right? And then I tried to put myself back in life. And I always tell this story. It's essentially like you ever see one of those undersea shows where they've got an octopus and whenever something comes near it, it goes back in its little hole. That's what it was like me reaching out for the first time. And I asked a girl out, and you know, like I was so sensitive around every single thing. My sensors were on high and, and I remember, and, and I got rebuffed and I just, that and many other things, like I still was picked on. I still was, you know, my life didn't change at all. I just had a food plan. That's it. I didn't change anything up in my head. So basically, I just recoiled back, right? I remember that. And I remember thinking that I was always going to, that I am not okay, that I am going to be found out, and that I was meant to live on the outside of life looking in. And I remember making almost a decision for myself that that was the way it was going to be. I wasn't going to have friends and go to parties and have relationships and dates and those kinds of things that I didn't do. I didn't get those things. Other people got them. I didn't get those. It was all a lie. This was my distorted belief system that I operated on. Right. And so, so once again, going back to that cycle, it was like 200 pounds down to 149. Then I went up to 250 and like around, you know, junior, senior year after getting into sports and then leaving sports and 250 pounds. Then I went down to 175 for college. And then by the time I got out of college, I was 300 pounds. Right. You know, they talk about what do they talk about the freshman 15 or something. If I calculate that, mine was the freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you know, 25 pounds, right, or something. I mean, basically, I was, the biggest thing that changed when I was out there in school was like, I had a place to go, you know, I had my own place, you know, not the first year, but the year after that, my own place to go and hole up and eat, where it wasn't in my, it was, I wasn't in the family room, the family at, at the house where I had to hide a lot more. It was like my hiding was going in, closing the door of my apartment and and shutting off, shutting all the blinds, turning all the lights down, watching TV and just checking out. Um, I also say this, too, that it's, it's one of these concepts of, uh, you know, people say, you know, I've heard people say, uh, you know, my my uh, uh, my my portions, my portion sizes of food, how I weigh to measure my food was bag, box or carton. And I was like, yeah, that's me. And then I thought about it after a while, and I changed that to be anything I could get my hands on. It wasn't just bag, boxes, and cartons. It was anything I could get my hand on. If I didn't eat so much that I was so, you know, so lethargic that I would even go and get more or order something, right? So I didn't even have to move, which is a big pattern to me. So, so basically in college, this whole coming into college with this, I'm going to be found out, you know, I'm not okay, uh, feeling that I needed to learn, know the, 
know what they were teaching me before they taught me, which is a crazy concept, you know? And I had this, this career that, that I was going towards. It was about creativity. I almost feel like I picked it to kind of say, hey, see, look what I can do. Aren't I good enough kind of a thing? But it was actually this twisted kind of a deal. Um, so I got out of college. I got my first job. And once again, same thing. I'm supposed to show up every day and do something new. And, and every day I'm terrified. I'm terrified. I remember that, you know, from Freedom from Bondage, there's a, there's a thing that they say in the big book, Freedom from Bondage. I remember being lonely, terrified, and hurt. And that's exactly how I felt, right? I was terrified that they were going to find out. They, I, I squeaked my three, way through the door, and they hired me to just wait until they find out who the real person is. Once again, that was a lie that I was telling myself, right? Um, so, so uh, I basically went through, went through the whole work thing where I would go to work every day and I would go to, go to work earlier and earlier in the morning, like five in the morning before people got there so I could kind of like work way above the amount that everybody else is doing because I had to, for me to get up to their bar, I had to work more and harder and, and then go home at the end of the day, you know, gathering all of my supplies on the way home, ordering food from home. Uh, shutting all the doors. I remember weekends where I would shut myself in. I wouldn't go out the whole weekend and I'd come out on Monday morning in Atlanta and the sun was bright and I would be blinded. That's the way I lived for a long time. Um, you know, uh, basically, um, you know, I, I, I lived that way for a while. I, I, I went off on my own with another business partner. We started some work. It was in this thing where we worked out of the loft, and I just had to get up and walk 10 feet to my desk and, and then 10 feet in my car and drive to the grocery store and then get in the, gro the car and come back. I really didn't move very much, and I was getting heavier and heavier at this point. This was the time when I was really – this was back around 1998 when I was the heaviest I ever weighed, which was 525 pounds. Uh, and I'm sure it was probably more than that, but that was at that time I weighed myself. And I, I, we end up closing the business, and I remember thinking it's because we didn't see eye to eye, but it was really because I couldn't hold up my end of the bargain. I couldn't hold up my end of the bargain. And this partner, this business partner, was trying his best to make things happen, and, and yet I was killing myself bite by bite, little by little. And so I moved. I, I didn't really know what to do when we did that. And my father said, why don't you come home for a little bit and kind of figure things out? And I did. And then I basically ended up just staying there. So this whole period from 1998 to 2007, I was at home. And I went home and I shut everything down, all of my work and everything else to kind of figure out, okay, I got to get this weight thing under control, right? I got to get the weight thing under control. That's what the problem is, right? And so I did, and I ended up losing like 150 pounds between May and December, and this is great, and I had shut everything down to do this, but I didn't change anything. Once again, it was, a, it was a food plan. And then I ended up getting work that just fell in my lap, and I had the best year I ever had that next year, but, my, but I was back to the same stuff, the same stuff, you know, feeling, hey, they're going to find out. So I was working for myself, creating a very toxic environment in the middle of that, just killing myself little by little. And just long story short, a year before I came in the program in 2006, I found myself in a hospital thinking three months before I was there, I was having things, I thought I was having heart, I thought I was having heart attacks, right? 
I thought something was going on, but this is how stubborn I am. Three months before, I'm thinking I'm in this serious, dire straits of medical whatever, and it took me three months to get in to go, okay, I need to do something about this, right? But that's kind of the way it is. You know, even with this program, it's like God talking to me. He's like, Mark, I got the easy way, or I got the hard way. Which way do you want to go to come closer to me? <laughs> I'm stubborn. I picked the hard way, right? So I got in the hospital, and it, what it ends up being was my blood pressure pressure was crazy out of control, crazy out of control. Um, and I had three doctors standing in front of me saying that, Mark, if you keep doing what you're going to do, right, and there's a pulmonary guy, it's a heart doctor, um, and it was a general practitioner who was in charge of my case, and that's a lot of money standing in front of me. And at that moment, I didn't realize it was inter an intervention, but that's what it was. And they said, if you keep doing what you're doing, you are going to die. And in that moment, I thought, oh, my God, I'm scared. But here's what I was scared about, that they knew. That they, that they put the spotlight on the fact of my problem that they knew. Once again, being found out, right? That's my big thing. The other thing is, is the other thing I was scared about is what they were asking me to do, to give up my friend, food, right? The thing that was saving me, quote, unquote, that was really killing me, right? And so, <clears throat> so basically, um, I said, okay, I'm going to do it this time. And it's like, I'm not really scared of the dying part, really. I'm, but I'm like, I'm going to do it this time, right? And, and so I get on a food plan that they gave me, once again, food plan, right? And I'm like, I'm going to do it this time. Well, a month after that, I found myself in, in, in Atlanta on business in a hotel room eating enough food for probably a family of 12 I don't know, family of 10, I, a lot of food until I could not walk. But something important happened in that moment, and that was I finally said, I can't. It was not pretty. It was not a revelation like, ah, but it was, it, was, it was basically the gift of desperation in that moment. Now, I'm a little stuck. <laughs> I'm a little slow acting, as you guys could see about the whole thing about the doctor going in the hospital thing. So <clears throat> it took me almost uh, from that time, that was probably around May or June, somewhere in that part. It took me all the way around to February of that next year or so. Um, and I was looking into some things around the first of the year. I guess it was sort of a, you know, uh, me making, trying to do new things at the first of the year, kind of a day, a resolution or something. But anyway, I got a therapist. I, I had no, I, I didn't know what to do. So I just, I, I got a therapist and I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm struggling here. And she said, we talked a little bit. She said, I think you're a food addict. I said, well, what does that mean? And she said, well, it means, and this is not exactly what I, this is what I heard, by the way, this is not exactly the full dialogue that went on there, but it means, uh, no sugar, no flour you have five is what I thought. <clears throat> Thank you very much. And so basically, you know, I said, what? You mean ever? And she said, we never say never. But the point was, is we basically made, the only other thing I knew to do is to basically try and get myself some help. And I said, I need to go somewhere. So we, we she helped me find a treatment place. And long story short, you know, in uh, April of that year, I find, found myself in a place. But here's the big thing here. Okay. The treatment place didn't save me. The action of me doing something different saved me. Nothing changes if nothing changes. I took a step out. And the beauty of it was is that God brought me to a place that 
that valued the 12 steps and, uh, and 12 traditions. They valued the, the 12 steps as a recovery method. And I, at that point on April 18th, I did not even know it, but I was going, I was going to my first meeting that night, my first OA meeting. Right? Listen, treatment gave me a lot of great things, a lot of great tools. But the fact of the matter, and they gave me a nutritionist that got this disease, but what they really gave me was OA. It is my gatekeeper. That was my gatekeeper to this program, and it changed my life. Basically, I went into that thing. I went to my first meeting, and I went, it was in a hospital. There were 60 people there. Here's a guy who isolated himself the majority of his life. He goes in. They say, are there any newcomers? And I say, hi, I'm Mark. And 60 people said, hi, Mark. That was the most healing thing that I could ever tell you. The second most healing thing was I was in there and we started talking about the, the talking about the steps and we got to step two and, you know, and it's essentially, and, and in the dialogue of the steps, talking about a God of your understanding. And all of a sudden I remember, because I resisted the whole God thing. But at that moment, I remember hearing the words, God of your understanding, and said, I can do that. And, and that, that was God talking to me. That, my higher power entered in in that whole thing. And so I started off on this thing. And then I, I, I was asked to, do, to write my story, my history around food. And I did that. And, and I cried the whole time I wrote it. And I presented it to a group. And it took power away from that that story. It was the first time I ever acknowledged any of my story. It helped me to understand the patterns that were going on. And I got a food plan and I was abstinent. I came in the door and I basically did what I needed to do because I had the gift of desperation. Now, here's the thing. You know, we have 12 steps. You know, um, step one, honesty. Step two, hope, faith, courage, integrity, willingness, humility, self-discipline, love, perseverance, spiritual awareness, service, those are the spiritual principles of these 12 steps. What I lived before I came in this room was the opposite of those. Dishonesty, despair, faith in the distorted belief system, faith in fear, faith in the lies I told myself about myself and the world around me. I did not have courage nor integrity. And I mean integrity moral-wise, but I also mean integrity from the standpoint of wholeness. I had no willingness. Well, I did when I stepped in the doors, right? <laughs> Got to give myself a little bit of props. No humility. I thought I could do it all on my own. I mean, this is the thing. I lived in this disease for 42 years, and I was in charge of my life, and I did not love myself. How do you think that's going to turn out? So the one thing my higher power is more than anything else is my higher power loves me unconditionally. And that is a powerful thing to operate on. So the obsolete steps, that's my disease. That's, that's, that's the steps to keep me in my disease. That's the, the monster-making kit. These 12 steps give me hope and faith. They have changed my life. But here's a key. Forward movement isn't permanent. These are these these are these twelve steps are 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 about action, right? Right. You know, food was not my problem. Food was my answer. It just happened to be an answer that was killing me. Right. 
And so you take away my answer that I used, my, high, my lower power that I was using, which was food and fear and everything else, the opposite of the 12 steps, or the opposite of the principles, the opposite of the promises. You take all of that stuff, that's what I operated on, right? So without this program, I'm in deep trouble. Without, a, you know, once I get on a food plan, you know, and I, I take away the thing I'm using to medicate for, I'm, I'm in deep trouble. Well, that's what the 12 steps are for. They were designed to keep me sane and happy. Right? Forward movement isn't permanent. The number one thing in this program that I have, that, that, has, that has helped me tremendously is all of the forward movement actions that I did. So anyway, um, that's my time, I think. And uh, thank you all for letting me share. I'm very grateful to be here. Mark, uh, profound. Uh, give us your number.